We've been considering uh, questions from the Orthodox Catechism. In our second service, I, I think once I get back into the Gospel of John, we'll do the two-parters like I had been doing, part one the first hour, part two the second hour. The question we are going to pursue, the first question from the Catechism is, how are you righteous before God? The answer is wonderful, and it says, only by faith in Christ Jesus, although my conscience accuse me that I have grievously trespassed against all the commandments of God and have not kept one of them, and further, am as yet prone to all evil, yet, nevertheless, if I embrace these benefits of Christ with a true confidence and persuasion of mine, the full and perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, without any merit of mine, of the mere mercy of God, is imputed and given to me. And that so, as if neither I had committed any sin, neither any corruption did stick to me. Yes, as if I myself had perfectly accomplished that obedience which Christ accomplished for me. That is a long answer, but it is a marvelous answer. It's very full, very detailed. How are you righteous before God? Only by faith in Christ Jesus. Faith itself is not a work of righteousness rewarded with Christ. Faith is an instrument. Faith is a means. I've said this before. Faith is the soiled hand that receives Christ as offered in the gospel. The answer of the catechism contains uh, many soul-stirring and encouraging truths. Sinners are righteous before God only by faith in Christ Jesus. It is through faith and faith alone that we are righteous before God. Faith is the instrument through which sinners receive the benefits of Christ. But what about our conscience that sometimes smites us, accuses us? You were unthankful. You were sinfully angry. You're... uh, you know, you were whatever. You sinned. Um, can only those who don't have a conscience that smites them of their sins and guilt, can only those kind of people be saved? There are no kind of people like that that don't have a, sometimes a guilty conscience, a sense that I violated the law of God even as a believer. God is gracious and merciful even to believers who have a guilty conscience sometimes. They have all the benefits of Christ coming to them and for them, not by virtue of what they do for Christ, but by virtue of what Christ has done for them. So that at any time when we need more benefits, we should go to him, even when we're filthy in our sin. Just had a spat with your wife and you lost self-control, something you know that never happens in our home. Well, it does, but I won't tell you about my wife. You have a spat with your spouse and somebody says something they should not say. And it came, don't don't say this by the way, I didn't mean to say that honey, you meant to say it, that's why it was bad. It just came out like there's strings pulling you or something. You say something that you shouldn't have said out of a sinful passion or rage. Um, 
That's when you go to Christ. You go right to your spouse. Please forgive me. I'm going to pray that the Lord forgives me. You don't say, I better clean myself up first and then go to Christ. You go, foul eye to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. The best of believers may and do find that they have, have not and do not and will not in this life keep God's commandments as required and that there is a war waging in their souls. It is nonetheless true that all the benefits of Christ are imputed and given to all believers. Uh, think of a weak believer, if that one exists, a strong believer, if one exists, old believers, young believers, new believers, seasoned saints alike. We have to say this, all believers in Christ get all the benefits of Christ. The apostles got no more benefits, no more of the benefits of Christ than the, than the meanest, weakest, lowliest believer in our day. All believers in Christ get all the benefits of Christ at all moments of their lives. They're always available. The facts of transgressing God's law and inner warfare as believers, though true of all believers, does not alter our status with God. You say, well, I had a bad week. Why? I had this inner warfare sometimes came out in the form of passion, uh, in words, in fists, in other gestures with my hands or whatever. It still doesn't alter your status with God because your status with God is not dependent upon what you do for Christ, but what Christ has done for you. So that's why even in our worst times, we can immediately go right to God through the mediator with our sins. Because our sins don't alter our status with God. Our status with God is based on the doing, dying, and rising of Jesus for us. This is why we can sing, by the way, two seemingly contradictory truths. O to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee. This is hymn number 400. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. So you have that on the one hand, then you have this one. In thee we have a righteousness by God himself approved. Our rock, our sure foundation, this which never can be moved. Our ransom by thy death was paid. For all thy people given the law thou perfectly obeyed that they might enter heaven. So on the one hand, you have this believer singing about his wayward heart. On the other hand, you have believers singing about this righteousness we have approved of God that can't be shaken, can't be altered, can't be increased, can't be decreased, can't be taken from us because it was wrought outside of us by another one for us. And the benefits of it then are brought to us. Even though we have, you know... um, Inward turmoil of soul. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which are waging war against the soul. First Peter, I think it's 2.13. One of my favorite verses, because it's like my life story. Abstaining from sinful things that are, you know, some of you are going, yep, amen. Especially the older, more seasoned ones. Uh, matter of fact, there's a story about an 81-year-old seminary professor who was speaking to the 
student body and somebody asks a question, now you're 81, as an older Christian, as an older minister, as an older teacher, uh, what's, you know, some of the lessons of life that you've learned? He said, the older I get, the more acutely aware I am of my inward turmoil, of my war, the warfare that goes on in my soul, and the more needy I feel myself for Christ and the means of grace and all the things. I think that's a, it's a healthy, mature uh, believer there. Prone to wander on the one hand, a righteousness approved by God on the other. There's the seeming contradiction. Prone to wander, amen, a righteousness approved by heaven, capital H, God, amen. Both can be true at the same time. And your status with God, no matter how the flaming passions arise in your soul, how hot they might get, it doesn't change your status with God because your righteousness is not your personal righteousness, but your Savior's righteousness in his own person for you and for your salvation. And it's through faith alone that all believers receive these benefits of Christ, the full and perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ without any merit of mine of the mere mercy of God, without any personal merit. Most of us, by nature, are merit mongers. We think we can do certain things to earn these benefits of Christ. Everything that needs to be done for the benefits of Christ is already done. All we do is receive it. So we should be grateful. Why do you affirm that you are made righteous by faith only? Here's the answer. Not because I please God through the worthiness of mere faith. You know, I call it the soiled hand of faith. Now watch what it says here. Not because I please God through the worthiness of mere faith. So there can be unworthy faith. And yet it lays hold of the same thing. Can you say that? Can we say all faith by sinners is unworthy? There's no merit in faith. Not because I please God through the worthiness of mere faith, but because only the satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ is my righteousness before God, and I cannot take hold of it or apply it to myself any other way than by faith. Whether my faith has a lot of oomph in it or a little oomph in it, as long as the object of my faith is right, Christ, then I get all the benefits of Christ. You know, sometimes people say, I wish I had the the faith of the apostles. Well, I think I understand that. Um, But then if you read Romans 7, you can see Paul is agonizing with remaining corruption. There is a mature apostle writing to the church in Rome. You read Peter's first epistle. He was an older apostle at the time as well. These weren't young men. By the time they're writing their letters, it's 30, 40 years after the Lord Jesus was on the earth. So it's 30 years. Uh, so, and the, abstain fleshly lusts which are waging war against the soul. Peter, as an apostle, isn't writing just about the rest of us. He's in that text as well. 
Faith in Christ is not a work rewarded by God with the benefits of Christ. Faith in Christ does not earn us the reward of Christ. Faith is in no sense meritorious. Faith receives what the gospel offers. Faith does not merit what the gospel offers. Gospel benefits are not earned through faith. Faith is the empty hand that receives what is offered to us in the gospel. And what is offered to us in the gospel is Christ and all his benefits. We get the person, we get the goods through faith. This is why Paul could say, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. By God's doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. So the very fact that believers are in Christ is God's doing. And being in Christ brings with it the benefits of Christ. It's all God's doing. Being in Christ is God's doing. Faith in Christ is God's doing. And the doing and dying and rising of Jesus for us, that's all God's doing as well. Well, I hope this makes you realize that um, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, apart from any and all personal merit by us, but not apart from the merit that was rewarded by God with resurrection uh, life to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for this old, the old catechisms that ask and answer these good, solid, scripturally uh, informed questions and answers. We thank you that all of us who have come to Christ by faith have all the benefits of Christ. Nobody has no more and no less. All of us that have come to Christ by faith came by the gracious work of God in us in the first place. And we all have the same privileges from Christ, even while lusts are waging war against our soul. We have the great privilege as sons of God to cry out for help. We don't have to stop our sins to cry out for help. We can... In the midst of our sinning, we can cry out for help. Lord, help us. Help us to sin less. Help us to rely on the benefits that we get from Jesus more. And now as we take the supper together, this is a means through which the benefits of Christ get to the people of Christ by the grace and blessing of Christ. We ask for that blessing on the supper uh, for all those who are believers and baptized and in a, a church members, we ask your blessings as we take together and receive our praises as we sing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.